Hey listeners, welcome to another episode of Brown Girl Street podcast. This is your host Aman Tiwana and this is Kathy Thakur and both of us love reading books. On this podcast we bring our favorite books to you and discuss the parts that were most meaningful to us and how we found them interesting or relatable as brown girls. Today we are discussing Glennon Doyle's memoir Untamed. Glennon is the author of best-selling books like Love Warrior and Carry On Warrior. She is also on the board of a non-profit organization Together Rising that helps immigrants and families and does a lot of activism for communities at grassroots level. Before we start, let's give our listeners an overview of the book. Untamed is Glennon Doyle's memoir where she has talked about her journey to find her truest self, ending an unsatisfying marriage, and falling deeply in love with a woman while discovering how to be brave. She covers several topics like marriage, children, gender roles, therapy, recovery from substance abuse, religion and so much more. And she shares her personal experiences with these with great honesty. Let's hear a quick word from our sponsor before starting our discussion. Like Kathy mentioned, Glennon's memoir covers several topics, but what we found most interesting was her experience and learnings around gender roles. But before we go into that, I think we should also give our listeners a little insight into her marriage. Sure, Glennon was married to a guy for like a decade and they had three children together. She felt unsatisfied in the marriage, like she felt that something was wrong. Her husband cheated on her and she made desperate attempts to keep their marriage intact. And in the midst of all this, she fell in love with a woman. Her name is Abby. After some time, her and Abby decided to tell Glennon's mom about their relationship. And that's the first instance mentioned in her memoir. Do you remember her mom's reaction to this news? Her mom says that the last she saw her daughter this happy was when her daughter was 10 years old. Yeah, and I loved how she and Abby met because of books. I know, but can you imagine how radically opposite the scene would have been if this was a brown household? I know. Firstly, the way she discovered her sexuality much later in life and accepted it is an act of bravery in itself. Yeah. Now that being said, I cannot imagine this playing out. Forget playing out well in our society. I think that our values are just so rigid that they don't leave much room for us to change or grow or discover ourselves. I think we have probably mentioned this in a previous podcast as well that so much of life in our society is just prescribed and if you try to sway away from that path you will face so much shaming and ostracizing so i cannot imagine this ever playing in a brown household I know i feel like there would be honor killing at this point <laughs> yes you are right i think <laughs> <laughs> and if even if you know parents agree to it the neighbors and the society would make it impossible for the family to live with dignity yeah you're right firstly that's rare for a family to fully accept this but even if they do then they would be the ones who are facing all this shaming from society yeah and even for glennon i don't think it was necessarily easy she has mentioned that she struggled in her marriage and still found it hard to leave still tried a lot to make it work bringing this to brown households i think the same happens right people are stuck in bad marriages but keep thinking that they can figure it out they can make it work and the conditioning is so strong that anything else is easier than leaving yeah you're right 
even for Glennon, she tries everything, I think. She also tries couples therapy to figure out a way for this to work. Yeah, when she falls in love with Abby, she's still married to her husband and she tells her therapist about her new love. Her therapist's reaction is so annoying. Like, I can totally see what I can expect everyone around me to react if something like this happens to me. I found that therapist so inappropriate. She's a trained practitioner and still instead of listening to Glennon or validating her feelings, the therapist is insistent on meeting the man's needs still. Yeah. I was like, what the hell, man? Why isn't she equally important in this quote-unquote couples counseling? Or why are this man's desires still more important than the fact that he had been continuously cheating on her? And I think this is, again, something that's part of our culture too. Like, pleasing a man is such an important wifely duty. I know. Like, her therapist mentioned that maybe you should try giving him blowjobs because... And let's forget this man was cheating on you the entire time. And let's forget that you're in love with a woman now, but, you know... Make it work, no matter what. I feel like this therapist is like an Indian bomb blaming her daughter for getting cheated on by her husband because it was her fault that she couldn't seduce him enough. That's bullshit. Yeah, it sucks. And I always question that why isn't there equal blame on both partners if there is blame? Why is the wife always answerable for shortcomings of both partners? Yeah. And here it was even worse that this well-educated therapist who is supposed to have greater understanding also acted in a very similar way. It's like the years of education could not wash away their conditioning. Yeah, that's horrible. While we're discussing therapy, you remember she mentions that she went to a recovery meeting when she decided to stop doing drugs. This is like way before she was married or had kids. She actually decided to go to recovery when she found out that she was having her first child. And she meets a woman there during recovery. And that woman mentions to her that she's supposed to feel everything. Then Glennon mentions that, I thought I was supposed to feel happy. I thought that when life got hard, it was because I had gone wrong somewhere. I thought that pain was a weakness. I think these words hurt me so much. Our society puts a lot of emphasis on happiness, as if happiness is something eternal. Like once you achieve a happiness, you have made it in life and that's it. Like after that, you can never be sad. But that's so fucking not how life is supposed to be. When I read this, I was like, somebody gave me permission to feel it all. Like we just feel like you should be happy. When you're sad, somebody will just say, oh, why are you sad? Don't be sad. Be happy. It's as if we are not allowed to feel the whole spectrum of emotions that exists in us. Like if something bad is happening in my life, I am allowed to be sad or angry. And to feel it all. And I loved this so much. It was like something inside me came open that yes, I can feel it all and I will feel it all. So much so that I put it on a note and it's up in my room right now. It says feel it all. It's like a constant reminder to myself. Wow, I love that. I should do that too. Glennon talks a lot about gender roles and expectations in the book like these boxes that we have put ourselves in. Even before we get into discussing what she talks about, I had a question for you, Kyati. What traits did you find feminine in men or masculine in women? You know, when I was young, I think one thing that I used to find 
very feminine in men was like if I found out that a guy uses a pink colored soap or like you know a feminine perfume <laughs> but then I thought about it and I realized it's only because the smells and the colors have also been categorized into feminine and masculine you know yeah it's kind of the messaging that we get like if you're wearing floral prints it's somehow just for females like yeah. a man will never be found wearing a floral shirt I think unless you're in Hawaii then it's different <laughs> and the part where she mentions this exact same thing in a way is where she notices the difference between the shampoos she got for her girls and for boys reading that I was like yes this is how media and these products are giving us a gender enforced message in a very toxic way yeah she mentioned that she noticed how society is still telling boys that real men are supposed to be like bold and violent and invulnerable and girls are being taught that real women must be pretty passive desirable and small and she noticed this through the differences in the shampoo bottles of her son versus her daughters i know like there are so many products around us and i wonder how unnoticed these things go until you really start to pay attention and how toxic they can be telling people to be in a certain way and not allowing them to cross over at all right and, and on that note do you remember getting any such messages growing up that's a good question i have been thinking about it since i read this chapter in the book I don't remember the name of the actual product but in general any product that has to deal with cleaning utensils or cleaning the home is marketed as extra strong and almost always these products either have a masculine name or they have a photo of an extra masculine muscled man associated with it for instance if you google mr clean right now you'll see what i'm talking about that's actually a very good example Now that you bring up Mr. Clean, I can think of Mrs. Meyer's products, which are marketed as gentle, and they have these fragrances of lavender, lemon. So that's again a great example of how things are marketed. Yeah. And while we are on topping of gender roles, another incident in the book that really stood out to me was when her son's friends were hanging out at their place. She approaches them and asks if anyone is hungry. and all the boys instantly go yes while the girls started looking at each other's faces as if they were trying to decide if everyone was hungry only then they can be hungry or if nobody else is eating then they don't want to be eating so many of us have been there it's an unsaid code that you cannot be the only girl eating i know do you remember like in birthday parties also like when we were young girls were so shy to go and pick up the piece of the cake first like they I would know. be looking at each other i think even now like even though we have grown up there's still some sort of lingering message around let's say i went for a cake and then i want to go for seconds it's still like sort of weird you don't feel yeah. as free as a man would going and grabbing the piece he deserves we would be like oh nobody else is going am i the only hungry person here yeah <laughs> like how harsh am i going to be judged for this yeah and even growing up if my brother wanted something like even a toy he would directly just ask my parents but i would be shy to ask them for anything and i'm not saying it's our parents fault or they denied me of anything but i truly think that it has been so ingrained in our minds that we shouldn't ask for what we want that it's impolite and selfish 
you know i think somehow this message has always been around that it's a female trait to be selfish and not wanting things or giving up things yeah and there's another thing that she mentions that i think we all women would relate to she mentions that when she was in her 20s she believed that somewhere there existed a perfect human woman who would wake up beautiful and bloated clear skinned fluffy haired fearless lucky in love calm and confident and whose life was easy and she haunted glennon like a ghost and glennon tried so hard to be like her and all of us have been haunted by ghosts like this right yeah you know i have a very interesting incident to share I remember when I was overweight and I was talking to my gym teacher about how to get motivated to lose weight and I was in school at that time he asked me to put up a poster of my favorite actress in my room and oh. and get motivated to become like her so yeah I think it stems from all the unreal expectations of women's beauty shown in the movies and the TV shows and in media as well you're right but this can be so destructive for your health and your self worth yeah like i can see the intent on surface yes it can look like motivation to put like a thin person's poster and be like yeah i'm going to be like this person but first of all it's not that simple and easy to just become like another person you can only be a version of yourself and when you're constantly comparing yourself to this unreal unattainable goal it's just going to keep affecting you so much physically and mentally both I know and like in the media these models and these actresses are shown as having like perfect skin perfect bodies but no one realizes how much work they have to put into it to exactly. become like that you know all the makeup that goes into making a woman's skin look flawless on, on the billboards all the fo- photoshop that they have to do to make them look like that it's unrealistic If you think about it it's their livelihood it's their job so they are putting like 6 hours 8 hours to look like that and the final product is what we see it's similar to what we would do working 8 hours a day to create a product at our work but if we start comparing ourselves to someone's end product which is first of all not real which has so much editing and work gone into it we are just setting ourselves up for failure continuously because firstly you have to live your life you have to do your job your family responsibilities and so much more and where are you finding these extra 8 hours to look like that end product of someone else i agree and on that topic there's another related point that she has written where she says we do not need more selfless women what we need right now is more women who have detoxed themselves so completely from the world's expectations that they are full of nothing but themselves i related to it so much so often we have seen women sacrifice their sleep their diet their beliefs their careers for other people for their families or for their kids and these women they make other women who keep themselves first feel guilty about being selfish yeah that's true sadly we talk about feminism and gender equality but this is gender equality 101 if we want feminism to become a thing we have to keep ourselves first and not expect men or some other women or the society to do that for us exactly and it's funny that we say that women are entitled to take their rightful place but at the same time when a woman does that most of our first reaction is oh she's so entitled yeah and that's where our training and our subconscious biases kick in 
most of us are guilty of this i think if we see a very happy confident woman we start distrusting her like how can a woman be happy how can right. a woman be truly confident there is something wrong with her or she's just so full of herself she's conceited she's boastful and again all these negative adjectives come up for her and i think this is something we should all try to be more conscious of and allow women to be what they are without this judgment in any sense today's podcast is presented by podgo podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience that's podgo.co at p o d g o.co okay now it's time for brownie points This book gets one brownie point from me because right from the beginning this book gives you so much food for thought and you know that it's going to be a daring read. I agree. The way the book starts is with a chapter called Cheetah. Captivity and taming is explained so beautifully with example of cheetah born and raised at a zoo. How even though the cheetah has never known wilderness, something inside her still calls instinctively. how she longs for a life better than this although she does not know what that life is when i read this i felt a cheetah wake up inside me <laughs> i agree and when i read this i got so excited to read the rest of the book and this book also gets a second brownie point from me because at various points in the book she has encouraged women to stand up for themselves to trust themselves to not let their curiosity die to be selfish in their pursuits and i absolutely loved her writing for that absolutely i think if someone is reading the book and they can take only 10 15% of it away from this it would still make them grow so much yeah and you know the book has so many wonderful quotes that you can just put up on a wall somewhere in your house yeah i think i underlined half of the book because everything was quotable to me and while we're talking of quotes i think i will give one brownie point for this quote I have a son and two daughters until they tell me otherwise. I love this and I think all children deserve this from their parents instead of being boxed into gender roles right away. Right. I like the way she is parenting her kids actually. Okay, now I would like to take away one brownie point because after some time in the book it starts to feel like she's justifying her choices. I don't know why it felt that way. maybe because the same thing to follow your instincts is repeated so many times in the book and after a while it just starts to feel redundant i could see that at several points it did feel repetitive to me and there were also portions where the writing style was off putting for me because i like to go deeper into the story personally to know more learn more but those portions felt like i was just dipping my toes in and then we are moving on to do the same again yeah So this was our discussion on the book Untamed by Glenn and Doyle. We definitely encourage you to pick it up. It's a very honest, bold and raw account of her life and experiences and comes packed with many life lessons. And in the end, I will read my favorite part from the book called Mona Lisa's story. Mona Lisa and her husband lost a baby. Sometime later, her husband commissioned this painting from Da Vinci to celebrate the birth of another baby. Mona Lisa sat for Leonardo to paint her but she wouldn't smile during the sitting not all the way the story goes that da vinci wanted her to smile wider but she refused she did not want the joy she felt for her new baby to erase the pain she felt from losing the first there in her half smile is her half joy <laughs>
or maybe it's her full joy and her full grief all at the same time she has the look of a woman who has just realized a dream but still carries the lost dream inside her she wanted her whole life to be present on her face she wanted everyone to remember so she would not pretend now i understand what the fuss is all about mona lisa is the patron saint of honest resolute fully human women women who feel and who know she is saying for us don't tell me to smile i will not be pleasant even trapped here inside two dimensions you will see the truth you will see my life's brutal and beautiful right here on my face the world will not be able to stop staring i love the story so much and i agree with the moral of the story completely all the women need to stop pretending to be pleasant all the time and they should have all the parts of their lives written on their faces the bad the annoying and even the ugly absolutely thank you for listening to this episode of brown girls read podcast if you like what you hear please leave us a five star rating and a comment you can support us at anchor.fm/browngirlsread/support your support will allow us to continue this podcast and bring more episodes to you also don't forget to subscribe and follow us on instagram browngirlsreadpod and if you have book recommendations for us you can leave us a comment or message on instagram For our next episode we are reading the henna artist by a fellow brown girl Alka Joshi. We hope you'll be reading with us and until then keep listening. listening.